0: Thank you guys so much for coming. Please be seated. I wanted to welcome you here today to Gospel Life Bible Church. This is not my church yet. (laughs) And I wanted to share with you, oh, I'm sorry, Uh, children, you can go. We have the children's time. We have wonderful people teaching them. Have a good time, and you guys are the lucky ones. You don't have to listen to me. (laughs) Again, I wanted to thank you for coming to Gospel Life Bible Church. Uh, Pastor Eric, of course, is not here. I'm sure he's in some terribly cold, miserable place or the beach. So, either way, he had met with me during the Christmas gathering we had out in Genoa. And again, as I said, I I normally don't come to this church. And we started talking as he was handing out popcorn and Bibles. And he said, hey, Ron, you want to preach January 5th? I was a bit taken back, but... I love the Lord. I'm not a great preacher, but I, if you ask me about God, I'll be glad to talk all the time. So <laughs> I said, yes, I would be glad to do that. And I asked him, I said, Eric, why would you ask me? I said, I know members of your congregation, and I know that you have plenty of people that could fill in. And he responded with, first of all, that he trusted me in the fact that I love the Lord, I will stick to the Bible, and I will speak the truth to the best of my ability, God willing. The other thing was, that he wanted to show unity. He wanted to show that it's not about what church you're in all the time. It's about the church of Christ. It's about God's church. It's about coming together in the truth of the salvation of Jesus Christ. It's not that, oh, I'm a member of Gospel Life, so I can't see those guys, or they're over here and they can't come here it was intentional that he brought another pastor in from another location, and in fact, I'm not even a pastor, I was an elder down in TCD, and I'm just a member of another congregation. But he wanted to show that it's above all those things. It's above formality, it's above church doctrine, it's above all the things, it's Christ, the head of our church, the true church, Jesus Christ, our Savior. And at that, I was taken back even a little bit more, because of the responsibility. Some of you know me, most of you do. I joke, I chat, I can carry a conversation for hours even when you want to get away from me. And it won't stop. But to share God's word in truth, the responsibility is unbelievable. It puts such a great spotlight on me to share that As I start writing things, I think, wow, that's cool, that's oh fun, fun, fun. And it's like, ah, panic, is that okay? Is that right? Is that what I should be saying? And what Eric believes in me is that I'll throw all that away to present God's Word to you. And that is true. I will do that. We had several passages in the Bible. I will be reading from John 9. And to be honest with you, last night I was trying to finish things up. My wife's like, Are you ready? And I told her, I said, Well, I said, I'm going to read the chapter. And if I read the chapter and say amen, I could be done. God's word is much better than my word. Now, unfortunately for you, that won't happen because of who I am. So, Eric is not here, but he promised me he'll be listening. So, we're going to change up a little thing of what you normally do. I need response. I need, amen, hallelujah. I need to know you guys are there and I need Eric to know you guys are here. This is just a personal thing. I want you to be involved because reading God's word and hearing God's word is not something that is just a secret and that you bring in. You receive God's word, it should be shared and spread. Light, Let your light shine. If God's word moves you, amen. If things are going well and you are just unbelievably filled with the spirit hallelujah there's nothing wrong with that i'm not quite sure in the history and doctrine i'm sure eric would probably know but i'm not quite sure where church became a solemn place where you're not supposed to speak in the presence of the lord i will be falling down at his feet with not a word to say that i know of i'll be worshiping him here we are to praise to give glory to sing to join together to speak He's given us this time on earth to share with one another, and that's what we should be doing. So, as much as that puts a spotlight on me knowing that it's recorded, puts a spotlight on you. At some point during the sermon, I better hear something. So <laughs> thank you. It was once said <clears throat> to have a great sermon, you need an interesting beginning and a very exciting ending. And above all, put those two as close together as possible. That was your chance for a great amen. (laughs) I'll try the best I can do. I know I'll get the first two points of that correct. The middle one of putting them together close, I'm not sure. So let's start in prayer. Dear Father in heaven, I thank you for this opportunity to share your word. Your grace and mercy in my life has been great, Lord. You are an unbelievable Father, you love me continually, you share your word with all of us, you do not hide from us, you love us even when we are sinners, Lord. We thank you for your salvation of your Son. We pray at this time, Lord, that we may speak your word, that we may receive your word through the Holy Spirit, Lord, that all that is brought in is to glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you would, please. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 9. And if you don't have a Bible, there's one in front of you. Just go ahead and grab it. John is in the New Testament. If you flip your book in half, you'll be in Psalms or Proverbs. Flip it in half again. You should get to the New Testament. The New Testament goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. So we are in John. I'll give you a moment to find there. We're going to read chapter 9. And also, if you don't have a Bible at home, or even if you know somebody that doesn't have one, Please take these Bibles that are here with you and give it to somebody. Sharing God's Word. Very easy. Hey, I'm not a preacher. I don't know what to do. I'm supposed to hand you this. Okay? Good start. So feel free to take those. If we run out, Eric can yell at me later. <clears throat> but we would like to extend those as a gift to you. In John chapter 9, I have titled the sermon, God's Story in Our Story. We're going to hear a story of a man that was born blind. We're going to hear of that man and not know his name. It never comes up. It's just the man that was blind. It's a story God wanted us to hear. It's a story of the man who received his sight from Jesus Christ. It's a story of a man that was questioned by those who grew up with him and saw him every day. It's a story about Pharisees not believing what had happened in trying to condemn this man. And it's a story of this man sharing his word with others. Today, we're in the book of John. John is one of the twelve apostles, referred to in chapter 13 as one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. The word gospel, in our terms, comes from the Old English, God, giving the meaning of good. God is good. Some of you could respond with all the time. And then I would say all the time. God is good. <laughs> and spell meaning news or story. So here we have God's story according to, the John, according to John. Or we can also share it as the good news. We often refer to the gospel as good news, which is also true. The good news according to John. And if you look at the preface, preface of this Uh, Bible in this book. It says the gospel according to John. The good news John shares is that number one, Jesus is the promised Messiah of the Old Testament. Number two, Jesus is the one and only Son of God. And number three, by believing in him, people that's you and I, we can have eternal life with God. Thank you. I won't stand here and promise you that if you believe in God, that you're going to win the lottery, that you're going to have all the money blessings and sunshine and rosy days. I don't know what God's will is for you except that he loves you and desires to be with you in eternity. That is the one promise I know is true because that's what the Bible tells me. So, when we come to him, we know that our goal is eternal life. We never want to be separated from God. God has put us on this earth. He put us on a planet that revolves in a body that ages and changes. Seasons come and go. Why is that? I don't know. God's given us that chance to live our lives. We just have to stay in. obedience to him to honor and glorify him God never wants us to walk away from him now I'm going to read in chapter 9 we've already heard a few few verses and as I stepped up here I realized that my bifocals aren't the power they need to be so I'm going to stick my head down here and go like this normally I would like to be talking and responding and things like this but when I read God's word I want to get it right so please join with me, and I apologize for the just reading. <laughs> John chapter 9. As he passed by, he saw a, blind, a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, it is he. Others said, no, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, He put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was division among them. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him, since he has opened your eyes? He said, "'He is a prophet.'" The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called his parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, "'Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then now does he see?' His parents answered, "'We know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but how he now sees we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age. He will speak for himself.'" His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said to him, he is of age, ask him. So for the second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God, we know that this man is a sinner. He answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. In this first part of the chapter, we see so many things. I can break it down and go point by point, but that's not the sermon that I'd like to preach today. I would like to share with you guys how to apply God's Word in what He teaches to us. We have two things in our lives that are true. We have this. We have the Bible. It is true, cover to cover. It is not a storybook, although it is God's story. It is not a dead book. It is living. It is alive. It's not history where we read about it and ponder what happened to other people. This book is about us. It is for us. It is for us to read, to swallow, to eat to know inside our bodies what God is doing for us. This book is the truth. We have one other truth in life, the Internet. You can laugh. (laughs) I'm kidding. It's not the Internet. Our other truth is our lives. God has given us a story. He handed us this book and made sure that it was infallible. He handed us our lives, and we know the truth of our life. We may fabricate stories. Other people may say different things about us. But if we share our story that God has given us in truth, nobody can refute it, nobody can argue it, nobody can come against it. We just tell them our story. Here's what the blind man did. They asked him, tell us about Jesus. He must be a sinner. You've got to agree with that. I don't know. Simple as that. I don't know who it was. man named Jesus. This man normally was sitting down because he was blind and begging for his supplies of the day. For food. For any money he could obtain. That was his life. In this passage, it doesn't tell us that he was screaming out for Jesus. It says that Jesus was walking by. Do you know where Jesus was walking by from? The previous chapters tell us that Jesus was in the temple. Jesus made a statement that said, Before Abraham is, I am. The Jews picked up stones and were going to stone Jesus. Jesus left the temple. Now, if somebody's going to stone me, I'm either coming back with a bigger stone or I'm running fast, and I'm getting away from all that. We go from Jesus being threatened of a stoning to walking out of a temple and seeing a blind man. Now, immediately the disciples say to Jesus, who's the sinner? Did he sin, or did his parents that he was born blind? We would love to place all blame for things that happen in our life as a sin created, that we've done this. That because we are sinners, God couldn't possibly love us, so he created a punishment for us. God didn't do that. God loves us. God loved this blind man. There was timing that we didn't understand. Why didn't didn't God appear with Jesus and heal this man at birth? Why did he spend so much of his life blind? I don't know. But Jesus tells us, for this time, it's not about sin. It's about something that Jesus is going to do that you have to glorify God to. Jesus is going to give this man his sight back, and the glory is going to go to God. I once, well, more than once, but I had a job, and I worked for about 20-some years in a construction company. I made a great living. I was able to take care of my family. We had a good life, things were good. I hated my job. I wondered why I was there. It was a hard job, it was unappreciative, and I thought, I'm wasting my life. I don't know why I'm doing this. But I kept at it because I did try to leave once. And I left thinking that I was going somewhere else and I was gonna be somebody. I was gonna be the head of something. And the promises were all about me and what was going to happen. And I needed to be gone from home a long time. It took a devastating effect on my marriage, my family. It was very hard. God made my old boss give me a call. And I got my job back. And I took it graciously. And yet, I still didn't know why I was there. I worked and worked and worked, and I'm like, man... I'm learning more and more about God. I'm learning more and more about the Bible. God, you got to use me. I need to be in a church. I need to be a pastor. I need to spend my life in these walls. God had another plan. He says, I need you here. I need you at the job you're at. I've put you there. Well, one of my bosses, who I actually grew up with as a kid, got cancer. And Probably about two or three weeks before he died, he talked to his son who worked with me, and he says, I don't know about God. I don't know a priest or a pastor. He says, Would you have Ron come down and talk to me about what's going to happen? I had no documentation of being a priest or pastor or any of that. I wasn't even involved that heavily in churches, but I'd read my Bible, I knew what God had planned. I knew where salvation came from. And so Kathy and I went down to his house. And we were able to share with him and to speak with him and to share the love of God. And we were able to share where salvation comes from. And he looked at us and he said, well, it's too late for me. And I said, no. And I was able to tell him about a thief on a cross. And we were able to pray with him and tell him about repentance. And I told him, again, God, or Ed, I don't know why you had cancer. And he stopped me. He goes, I do. Smoked every day of my life. <laughs> and the fact of it is is that, yes, the occurrence of some situations we put ourselves into in the environment and other things, we can cause harm to ourselves. Okay? But the true fact is, is that God had a timing for Ed. And Kathy and I were able to share with him, and he received Christ. Hallelujah. Two weeks later, he passed away. His family asked me to do his funeral. Again, not being a pastor or not having a collar or any of that stuff. They said, we need someone to speak. I said, okay, I'll do it. So I went in, and as I went into the funeral, I saw his grandchildren and his children. And I saw cards that they met, saw or wrote and drew, and they drew angels and said, "We'll see you in, gra- in heaven, Grandpa." In reading all those things, I was able to stand there and tell them, "Yes, yes, you will," because Ed repented. He knew Jesus. He is in heaven, and I was able to share that. Had I not spent 26 years at that job, God would have, could have, taken anybody or anything else, and given that to Ed uh, to but God used me in that position I didn't have a lot of good frills I didn't have a lot of good speech all I could tell him is I don't know why I don't know when I know who and I know how and you know the blessings of that here's a blind man sitting there and you know I'm sure that We would have walked by and tried to make a doctrine out of what happened. The people that were with Jesus wanted to know what happened. They didn't jump and say, Jesus, can we help this man? He needs help. Can we help him? They looked at him and said, who is the sinner here? Let's talk about this guy. We often do that. We often look at people and go, wow, wonder what that caused in their lives. Why are they going through this? What's happening there? Instead of picking up that person, bringing them to Jesus, and saying, God, we've got nothing but you do. Helping him and sharing. On a side note, I love when I make an outline because I'm nowhere in here. (laughs) I have to lead what God shows me, what He says. So I will take a minute and try to regroup. But as we come through, and as I said, I mean we, we always want to find out why. Our lives here on earth make us think that if we understand things, it'll be correct. In in the truth of the Bible, it's faith. Faith that the Holy Spirit has given us. Faith that comes from God. Nothing that we do. And in fact, it goes the other way. With grace and mercy, even though we do the things we do, God still allows us salvation and love and life. God is a great God. You know, if I was walking by that blind man, I would go, wow, okay, if you're blind and you can see, hey, um, what did Jesus do? Okay, he spit, he picked up some mud. What kind of mud? Was it clay? Was it, was it more gravelly? Was it, you know, what was it? I don't know. You know, and how much saliva did he use? Was was the mixture dry? Was it really wet? Did he cover your whole eye? Did he come through here? The blind man says, I don't know. I don't know. Does any of that matter? No. What matters is that Jesus told him, after he put the mud on his eyes, go, wash. Now this man didn't, Stop in, in, the verse, in, the, in the Bible passage we have. The man didn't stop and go, well, okay, Jesus, if I'm going to wash, what, what do I do then? What's going to happen? Am I going to see? What, you know, tell me the whole procedure. What's happening here? The man received mud on his eyes. Jesus told him to go. He went. When he came back, he came back with his sight. Faith in the fact that no matter what Jesus did to you, Jesus is right, your life is good. He corrected the problem. And you can see. Now, I'm looking around, some of us have glasses, but all of us in here are of sight. We can see. What what message does this have for us? We're not blind. I would have to look and say, yes, we are. I see about this far. And in fact, most of the time I would like that to be a mirror. So I can see myself because I'm so darn good looking. But the fact is, is that we're blind to where we're heading. We have eternal life. Where is your eternal life going to be? Will it be in heaven or will it be in hell? God wants us with Him in heaven. God has done everything He can that we are there. God will not help us walk away from him. He will allow it. He will not be participants in helping us. God did everything he could, in fact, giving us his son and the death on the cross so that we can be with him. God loves us so much that we can't even see a little bit of that great love We think that we know all about God. Yep, he's going to do this, he's going to do that, and I know God, and da da da. I am going to stand here and say, I have no clue. God's understanding, his love for me, is beyond any comprehension that this mind can take. Only through his Holy Spirit in my life do I even know the little bits that he has given me in this Bible. I'm not a good reader, so most of my reading is this book. And I would like to share at this time, guys, if you haven't read this book, and I'm not saying a chapter here, a chapter here, if you haven't read from front to back, please do that before you read anything else. I'm not talking about a book about the Bible, a book that somebody says what he thinks God means. I'm talking about please read this book. I don't remember very well all the things in this book, My wife can tell you where chapter and verse is. I can't. I can tell you maybe Old Testament, New Testament, and that's about as close as I'm going to get. But if you have a question about the Bible, I will gladly sit down and look it up with you and find it and read it, and we can discuss it. But you have to know what's in here. This is God's truth. This is God's Word that He's given us. We have to know this. We don't have to be a doctrine or a... um, Doctor of Theology, we don't have to have a master's in this. We don't have to memorize every point. Terribly put, I believe Albert Einstein was asked one time why he didn't remember his phone number, uh, either his phone number or address. And he said, it's not very important to know all the information, but you have to know where the information is. So it's not extremely important that we know every little step that God is taking and everything that he is doing in our lives and the lives around us. But we need to know, when something arises, who to go to. God. Where can we find Him? Right here. We need to know that. That is truth. And if I came up here and preached another word, and you, as I stepped down, you wanted to talk to me and you wanted to argue about it, we could argue back and forth and go, you think this, I think that, you think this, I think that. But the truth is, if I read this passage and you walk, I walk down and you greet me and say, I don't believe that, you don't have a problem with me. You have a problem with God. God's word is truth. There's somebody wrong if there's a disagreement, and guess who it is? It's going to be you. So I ask that you know your Bible, you read your Bible, you believe your Bible. Then, as the blind man said, I don't know who he was, I don't know how he did it. I was blind and now I see. I don't know if any of you have ever had the joy of being able to have somebody come up to you and say, You're different. Or when they come up to you and say, You know, I remember you as a child or younger. You aren't that way anymore. What happened? What changed your life? some of the things that have changed in my life i used to drink a lot used to like alcohol and came to a point where i was working with a neighbor and we were building a deck and every day we'd start fresh in the afternoon we'd be drinking we'd continue into the evening then we'd go home we'd come in the morning and see what we had to take apart because it was ruined, because we had drank too much and started messing up the whole deck. But we had fun. We would laugh, we would joke. Oh, that was so silly. I once put a two by four on my knee and I was gonna use that as a sawhorse to cut the board. My neighbor grabbed the saw, ripped it out of my hand. We laughed. We thought that was the funniest thing. (laughs) Man, you were so close to cutting your leg off. We thought we had a lot of good times. What we had was a lot of stupidity on my part. I gave up drinking for Lent without knowing what Lent was. Somebody told me during this time period you give up something. All right, I won't have alcohol for this time period. Uh, but wait till that 41st day, and I'm going to hit it hard. So after the time of Lent came, I looked and... God had been giving me some understanding that I was making a small sacrifice of something that I did, thought I enjoyed, and I gave up for a greater enjoyment, a greater love, the love of God. I gave it up and my little daughter came to me one day and said, Daddy, I like when you don't drink. To me, that changed my life. I didn't, at that point, say, God, I'm giving it to you. At that point, I thought, I'm her dad. I don't want to ever do anything to take that away. She doesn't want me to drink, I'm not going to drink. Much less how much my wife tolerated me, crawling home across an empty lot, totally drunk and sleeping on the floor. She put up with me, loved me through it. And it wasn't one of these violent things where I had to go to AA or any of those others. I handed it to God, and I said, God, I don't know what this is, I don't know what Lent is, but I'm going to give up alcohol for you. God took away all the desire I ever had for alcohol. Temptation, constantly there. Alcohol in the house, alcohol anywhere you go, go to the bars, the people I hung out with still. But you know what happened? I started losing people wasn't invited to things people that were around me are like oh he's different I think we're going to leave him go his way probably one of the best things that ever happened now temptation comes and believe me there's still temptation you have holiday parties and you look and somebody will share and wow this is a great beer this is a great wine you should taste it no thanks my desire for that is not there I hold nothing against anybody that can take a drink, enjoy it, and use it as it is. Paul tells Timothy, take wine for your stomach. The Bible is not against that. The Bible is against taking it to a point where your mind is altered, where you're not using what God has given you. And that's what I was doing. And I gave that up. To me... At this point, I feel, yeah, I could grab a beer. I could drink that beer, and I wouldn't want to rush to another one. That's my physical manly stance on that. My godly stance is I would never want to see anybody put, see me put alcohol to my lips again because my statement was I gave it up and the Lord took the desire away. I love the Lord more than anything else. Surely more than that alcohol. Are there other sins that I do? You bet. You bet. I'm a sinner just like you are. I didn't have enough paper. (laughs) And what happens is that I don't wake up and blame my life on sin. I wake up and I thank God. I wake up, if she hasn't gotten up before me, I look at my wife and think, what a blessing I have. I don't deserve her. I won't look at her because I'll start crying. I don't deserve who she is. I don't deserve her putting up with me. But she's there every day. I don't deserve the house I live in. I don't deserve the pension that I have, that I can be retired and do as I wish. I don't deserve the food I ate, which was way too much over the holidays. I don't deserve any of that. But when I get up in the morning, I try my best to take a breath and say, thank you, Lord. I don't know why I have this, except that you are God, you are holy and righteous, you love me, and share unbelievable grace and mercy in my life. And each day, if we could share that, when people come up to us, if we could tell our story And not come in and say, horrible day with traffic today. It was terrible. This guy cut me off. Oh, I'm so mad at him. But if you could go in and say, wow, God gave me the ability to get up and I had a warm shower this morning. And You know what? I even had breakfast. And I came to work. You know, I have a car. I didn't have to walk. I didn't have to put a saddle on the horse. I was able to drive to work. and, And work. Oh my gosh. God gave me a job. I have something to do. I have work. And and if you're retired like me, your work is not a nine to five. Your work is to be around others, to help wherever you can, to share. And if you can get involved in different things in, in Bible studies and church and help the pastor here, you know, if you can do that, that's your job now. But as you have that stuff, we can definitely look and say, wow, is this blind man sitting there? I'm blind, I'm blind, I'm blind. Oh, wait, I can see. You know, those last years that I had sitting here since childhood, was it horrible? Let me tell you about all the times people passed me and never gave me anything. He could share all that, and we could do the same. We could share about how tough our life is and how the struggles we have. Or we could say, you know what? There was a time period where I was blind. That doesn't matter. We're putting it over here. Let me tell you about what God has done for me in my life. Let me tell you about Jesus Christ. And that's what we should do. That's our story. And people, when you tell them, God has given me this, they can't say, no, he hasn't. Yes, he has. He has given this to me. He has given me my life. He has given me the breath I've taken every minute I've been up here. He has given me my heart beating, which sitting there was about ready to go through my chest. But now as I get to speak to them and I get to share, it's like, yeah, cool. I'm relaxed. I'm calm. This is good. Thank you, Lord. And we need to share that. And I'm not saying just share roses and chocolates. I'm saying when you see that person, one of the benefits I have of knowing alcohol and, and, and drugs and things is that when people get into those things, I can walk and grab them by the shoulder and say, yeah, I was there. I know what you're going through. Now, what I can't do is say, say these words and you'll stop drinking. Doesn't work. Some people need 12-step program. Some people need a mentor, a companion, an accountability partner all the time. Some people need to stay away from seeing the alcohol or the availability of alcohol. Those things are all correct. They are all right for each individual. In my case, I can share that I handed it to God, God took it, and I have no more desire. So I'm always going to lead you to God. Now, if God has another plan to say, yes, I'm going to put you in this 12-step program with others around you, not only so that you can learn from them, but they can learn from you, and I need you there, be there. And, you know, maybe this is just falling on deaf ears because we're all good that way. For some reason, God has me bringing that story up and sharing. So if it's for you, I guess it's for you. Or if it's not, it's not. So, I'm checking time. We're good. <coughs> and, yeah, there's usually, in the old days, and let me fall back a little bit and share a little bit about this church and the blessings that this, this building has brought to me. This church was one of the Second churches is that my wife and I had gone to. When I married my wife, I knew nothing about Christ. I was not a believer. My wife has grown up as a missionary's child. She knows Christ, knew Christ, and was a believer. We got married. I married her as soon as possible, as soon as she lost her senses and said yes. Uh, I knew her for four months. We dated for one month, and we were married. And I wore her down, and she said yes, and so that was it my wife was very good to me as far as not trying to beat church into me I knew that she had gone to church I knew she believed in Jesus but she didn't say come on I'm dragging you to church I'm dragging you to church she let it go subtly brought things up hey my friends are at this church or I know this person at this church would you like to go yes and I would go to that church and when I went to that church I walked through those doors searching for the first thing I could find that was wrong with that church the first thing I wanted to do is make sure that you know all churches, the only thing they're, one thing they're about is money. They all want money. So when the offering came around, wow, that's it. See, I told you, I'm right. They want my money. I didn't really listen to the sermon. I was there to desire to get out, to find a fault with that church so that I didn't have to go there. The fault was my own, of course. And we would go to a church and that would pass by and then we would go to another church months later and I would find the same reason. And as it went through we had a neighbor and his wife was bedridden and the Methodist church would send them a cassette tape. I'm that old. He would get a cassette tape of the sermon and he would walk it over to our house every Sunday. He'd say, hey, I'd like you guys to hear this. And he'd give us a cassette tape and I'd say, thank you Tim very much. I'd set it aside. Most of the time, I didn't listen to it. And then I guilt was raining in, and I'm like, "Wow, you know, he's coming over. He's going to ask me about him. I should listen." So I started listening to those. Well, what I would do is I would pop in the sermon in the tape. I would turn on the TV to the rodeo, and I'd push mute. That was my church. I was listening to some pastor. He was saying something through the Bible, but that cow was really throwing that cowboy off pretty good. So, as it went, my wife's patience, and more importantly, God's patience, gave me a desire to go to the church. We had our daughter, and we had our son, and I thought, you know what? We can't, we've got to stop watching rodeo. We need to start paying attention. I need to be in church. So we started going to church. The Methodist church up there at the time, Ron Purser was the pastor. I knew nothing about church. I knew the... I, Didn't know any of the formalities. I didn't know what you were supposed to do. First thing I did is walk past the usher. As he was guiding me to the chair or the pew, I walked past and said, no, I'm gonna sit here. And he said, "Uh, okay, (laughs) let me go. The next thing I did, children's church. The pastor called up all the children. My daughter wanted to go. My daughter didn't leave my side. She was daddy's girl. So I went up and I sat next to the pastor. Hey, I don't know the rules. I sat there, and every Sunday, I heard messages, and I started learning more and more about the Bible through child's eyes. It took the pastor to speak to children to get into my head. God knew that, and that's why he put me there. After that, my wife and I continued that church, and when my daughter went to preschool, I sat with her every day in preschool. We had a wonderful woman that was teaching preschool. I sat there all year. She let me listen. I was learning more and more about God. After that, the next year was kindergarten. The teacher looked at me. She says, you are you going to be here every Sunday? I said, yeah. She goes, you're going to teach. She goes, we'll split. I'll take preschool. You're the kindergarten teacher. I thought, you know what? All I have to do is be a day ahead of these kids. I'm smarter than a kindergartner, right? the Methodist Church had a lot of information and they have a really good way of teaching the children in direction and and through there. I, I do appreciate it. I had their pamphlets, I read their things, and more and more as my daughter grew and my wife and I continued up to the different ages, I had to learn more about the Bible and I continued to read it and understand it and learn from there. God's patience brought me along the way as we walked up. So my story is a story that God patiently brought all the pieces together until I realized that it was not me controlling my life, that I was not the one to sit on the throne and guide all the things happening, but that God was, God is, and I need to step off that throne and go to the feet of God and beg for mercy and grace which He has already freely given me. I need to thank Him for that. I need to glorify Him for that. How do I do that? Well, one of the things is, some guy walks up to me and says, you want to preach? You bet. I'll preach. I hope I don't bore you guys, and I hope you come back when Eric's back. He's a wonderful preacher. He has just an immense love for God. And when I speak with him and connect... It's like we soar. It's just, it's unbelievable. It's like, yeah, and we just go back and forth feeding on God. And it's wonderful. But my story is one that I was a sinner. I am a sinner. By the grace and mercy of our God through his Son, Jesus Christ, with the faith received by the Holy Spirit, I will be with God in eternity. I wonder if I hit any of my points. There are three things in the paper that you've been giving back here. Kim asked me, she said, Ron, do you have highlight points? You bet. Will I stick with them? No way. (laughs) The funny thing is, I think Kim knows me. (laughs) She typed them out (laughs) and still did it. Three things I want to leave you with. Number one, we can... And we should share the story that God has given us. His book, the Bible. We shouldn't be afraid of this. We shouldn't be insulted by it. We will be mocked over sharing it. We will face people that are against it. We should share it. The second thing is, we can and we should share our story with others. God has given you a life. God has given you salvation. God has put everything in place that you're sitting here today. God did that. You have that. Nobody can take that away from you. You can say, I believe in Jesus Christ. God is my salvation. I will be with Him in eternity. People cannot say no. They can, I guess they can say it it won't ring true. They'll be liars. So we have our story. One of the things that I would like to sh- keep you in mind with is that your story can and should be about the things that Jesus Christ has done for you. I'm a sailor. I have a lot of stories. Most of them start with, you won't believe this. Really, didn't not in those words, but... <clears throat> different ways and I can share a lot of things that were ungodly in my life that were problems in my life and bad things that I did and we can laugh together and think oh that was so crazy but that's not why I'm on earth I'm on earth to share the story that God has given me through him the true meaning of my life loving the Lord That's a story we can and should share every time we meet somebody. We don't have to feed it down their throat. We don't have to fight them to be at church. But we need to share what God has done for us. We need to share that God has saved us. That we have eternal life with him. When we see our families, we should do that. When we see our grandchildren, we should do that. When we see a stranger on the street, we should do that. If you want to pray that and ask God, God, today, would you show me somebody that needs you? He will. God has presented people to me that i would never even thought of. And I've often dropped the ball. I've often failed. God put somebody right in my face. We'll ask about the Bible and go, yep, it's a great book, and walk away. And then I'll go back and go, ah, oh, I blew that one. That was a great chance for me to tell them about Jesus. But God says, okay, let's do it again, and again, and again, and again. And you know what? The Bible also tells me if I don't do it, God can make rocks cry out and proclaim his name. I don't want to be replaced by a rock, so I will proclaim his name. Hey, I think we're doing pretty good on time.